this day will be one of the most sacred experiences of my life. And I can't even describe why, other than I was going through the exact same thing that, that this young man was going through. And I needed that blessing for me just as much as he did. Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and alongside me is my co-host and brother-in-law, Zach. And sitting across from me is my brother, Jason. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing good. You had to pick up the microphone for that. It wasn't ready. I was eating my chocolate chip cookie. Jason um, served in the, I I always try to, I always get it wrong, but I'm going to try California, San Jose, Spanish speaking mission. Nailed it. There we go. And, um... I always like to start off when I introduce my guests, kind of a little story about them and you're my oh brother. <laughs> so there, there is a lot of stories and I'm trying to make it about you and not about me. So you left and mom made a CD, which you do because you left what? 2001? 2002. 2002. That's a long time ago. I know man. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she threw on this song, Zach, if you want to play it. Just the first little bit. Did you even listen to this on your mission at all? Was no. it even a thing? Did you even no. know this? It's from 1968. I didn't know this song until I opened my mission call and mom was like, oh, let's go put it on. And, and this is like before YouTube. Yeah. Because so your, your mom had it. You know what's funny? No, is I, think find she, it I think she got on LimeWire because I remember we weren't allowed to use that growing up. Jumped on the Napster. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was back in the day. Let's listen. Do you know the way to San Jose? It's a, it's a nice little song. Just wait. Here it comes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Chorus coming up. Right here. Ooh, maybe not. Talking cars and pumping gas. You can really breathe in San Jose. Can you really breathe in San Jose? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> all right. People breathe there all the time. <laughs> there we go. I would hope so. Yeah. So there was that song. And then she had another song. Zach, if you can pull it up. Again, my mom made a mixtape or a mix CD. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this. Did you ever know that she had the CD? No, but mom is aggressively supportive. So Yes. So she would play this song, John Denver's Leaving on a Jet Plane. You, you want to pull it up or turn it up a little? Wake you up say goodbye. You know what's funny is we all know your mom. (laughs) All of us sitting here and we could totally see her doing this. And crying. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So your mission was the longest two years of your life, but also of my life. (laughs) Because mom flipping put together this CD and I remember she'd be in the car and like, I miss my son. I was like, why are you torturing? Yeah. She's just torturing herself. We had the the stickers of every day you had to put on a sticker of is like the Mesa Temple. Of, oh my goodness. Like it, the it, whole two years? Yeah. It was the longest two years of my life. I have no idea if mom did that for you. No, she didn't. I think I asked <laughs> I her not to. It was <laughs> torturous. I was gone out of the house by then. So, um, yeah, something about your mission. I remember you sent, and like, this is technology again, like you sent camcorder cassette tapes back. Yeah. They sent me a video camera. Was that a big deal? You know, it was, but what was I going to videotape? I couldn't videotape myself. So it was kind of weird to be a missionary walking around with a video camera. Well, back then they were like pretty big, right? No, was that newer technology or what? 
it was like a mini it wasn't like a VHS. A mini TV. It wasn't yeah, like it was on the, the shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> the shoulder Adam pack. Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, I mean, the new ones, they're like handheld. Mini TV. Yeah. It, it's basically like that, but like double the size. So it was maybe like the size of like a small Nerf football or something. If that Were you sense. like known as the no. elder with the camera? I didn't yeah, use I that did. often. I just remember, I wasn't going to bring this up, but because you did and you mentioned that you couldn't really record anything, there was footage of... I think it was like your trainee or your companion mm-hmm. and he was brushing his teeth for like five minutes. He, I don't even remember that. I've never watched those videos. He, like maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. But <laughs> the other thing was we had the little hand cassette recorder. Yeah. So you'd send like voice yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. I had that too. She, she kept that. And I yeah. did that. And I served five years ago. So there's definitely newer. I mean, now they call home every day. Yeah, that's whatever true. it is Monday. I did it because we only had a half hour on P day to send, um, an email to the mission president and to our families, like a half hour total. Yeah. It was pre email. I mean, you were writing physical letters. I didn't want to go to the library and write an email. I'd rather receive a letter in the mail. It was like every day at lunch, we'd like swing by, (laughs) be like anything good. Hey. Yeah. Well, I I did. I would always, I was always recorded in the morning. That Mm -hmm. way, when I got to the internet cafe, I already had, I don't know, 45 minutes worth of talking that I would just zip off instead of just sitting there trying to type. Hmm. I would send a text to myself, to my email with my mission phone of like highlights on my week. And then I would just write about it. Yeah. I couldn't do that to my mission pager. <laughs> you <do> have <laughs> a pager? If you were a zone leader, you had a pager. Nice. <laughs> 2002, 2003. So anyways, yeah, your mission. Um, and then you came back and I remember thinking like you were a perfect person when you came back. I mean, I kind of was. You you were kind, <laughs> you were patient and you were gentle, but you also didn't pick me up and like threaten to throw me down the stairs over the banister anymore. Well, by then you by were then probably, you, yeah, you were like you. 250 pounds. We were probably pretty close in weight and we're 10 years difference. <laughs> Gerald and it's not Garner. because I got big. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I was, I was a big boy. Um, How much weight did you gain on your mission? Me? Yeah. You stayed in the States too. Oh, so I have the numbers memorized. I went into the MTC. This isn't about me, but we'll do it real quick. MTC 171. I don't know why I weigh myself on certain days. Came out 174. I came home from my mission 184, but I got up to like 206 at one point. Goodness. So before like, you got married? Before. No, yeah. you're talking, you got on up to mission, 206. I got on up to mission. 206. On your mission? Yeah. That's 30. I, that's like 30 yeah, pounds, bro. I did it in two months. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just weighed my oldest daughter and she weighed 40 pounds. That's like, you just lost a four-year-old yeah. child. <laughs> so anyways, enough about me. Let's go back to Jason. Okay. You, you've waited your whole, were you planning to serve a mission your whole life? I'm assuming. I mean, was I actively like waiting? No, it kind of let it happen. But I had always like planned on going. Yes. Did you have a testimony of the church before you went? I did, but I don't think I knew because it would never really been tested. We're so sheltered here in Mesa. Sure. Um, it's like, you know, everybody's Mormon or a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and then even in high school, it was like, it's not like it was, I don't know. It was just, yeah, it I was, think it's exactly it was, what we said. It was never really tested. It was like, I, it, I wasn't living a different culture inside the world. It was like, that was my world. 
you never had another thought of like, maybe I won't go. It was just assumed you would go and you'd. Um, no, I don't think I ever had doubts that I would go. And also correct me if I'm wrong. You, a lot of your friends were a year older than you. And so you, you kind of saw them off. Yeah. Okay. And that kind of helped prepare me, honestly. Cause like when Rob left and then came back, yeah, I was there for him. Yeah. And so that really helped me like prepare and see how important it was for him to go back on his mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and just to clarify, Rob is one of Jason's best friends, but also Zach's uncle. Yes. And he, he left on his mission. He got called to Manaus, Brazil mm-hmm. was in the, the CTM or the MTC over there, found out that he had thyroid cancer, came home. And that's what Jason's talking about. Um, came home and then went back out and served in, in California. But you have to remember he waited six months to go back out. I, I want to say it was six months. Oh, I, I, I couldn't even tell that's you. It's interesting that you had that experience. Cause I had kind of the same thing, the opposite end, but Brent Kleiman having, he had to come home and take care of diabetes. And okay. It took him like, I think it was nine months before he go back out. Yeah. They like wanted to make sure obviously that it hadn't spread or anything. Mm-hmm. The cancer, the cancer. And, um, yeah. And it, he was honestly only in the MTC down in Brazil for like two weeks. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he was there for that long. And just seeing the change in him and like he had to have a companion. Yeah. Cause they didn't release him right away when he got home. Yeah, I remember that. They wanted to see, you know, really how long, what is the diagnosis? What, mm-hmm. what do we have to do here? So, so I was his companion for most of those, like during the day. And then that's cool. And then your grandma. So would you guys do like uh so, I mean, you said it helped you. How did it help you? Did it, did he read scriptures or whatever? Like, what did you guys do? Um, no, I don't remember reading scriptures. <laughs> I do remember just being there for him, like yeah. being a friend, huh? um, listening to him, let, letting him talk all about it. Cause I mean, he was excited. He was so excited to be down in Brazil. Yeah. And he came back speaking Portuguese in two weeks. Everybody was like, what the heck? <laughs> but, um, he probably, I mean, anybody that yeah, really was like, the, was like the, no, the he five didn't. phrases you have, right? Hudu Bane. Pungia. Yeah. But, uh, I do remember a lot of times at night we would go to the temple, not in the temple. We would just go sit like out by the reflection pools and just hang out and sit around and talk. That's awesome. So that was really good, helpful for me. And then, um, let's see, Rob was probably my best friend at the time. Then when he left, um, I mean, there was like the three amigos, it was me, Rob, and then Scott and Scott McConaughey. And, um, Scott left in September and I didn't leave until March. So, um, That's long. Yeah. So I was like, I kind of had a gap there, uh, where I I mean, I was still friends with Scott Rowley as well, but we just had kind of grown apart over time. And if he listens to this, he'd probably shake his head. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, I mean, you're still friends. You just, yeah, we're still circles. Yeah. And it was, and so when that time we kind of naturally gravitated back to be like closer friends. And so I think I left and then Scott went out maybe a month after me or something like that. And so I, I always had friends, but you had a good, good group. Honestly, my friends are the reason I went on a mission, not in the sense that they helped me have a testimony or things like that, but they kept me on the right path. Oh yeah. And so that was a huge blessing. That's, and that's something that's awesome. That's something that kids nowadays have no idea 
with the mission age change, like you can leave right after high school, but you didn't leave until what, like a year. So plus. yeah, like, I mean, I left in March of the following year after high school. So yeah, it's almost a full year, whole full year. Yeah. But it, and it seems like the reason why I say that is it seems like for me, cause I also had to wait until December. Like mm-hmm. that's when you get tested and tried in your testimony and like opportunities that aren't good pop up in your life. Yeah. The most, <laughs> at least in my life. <laughs> Fill your canteen. I said opportunities, but (laughs) I didn't, I didn't say anything other than opportunities. (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny. And we'll, we'll get right back to Jordan's questions. When I got my mission call, I had to wait six months Mm -hmm. visa work. So I I left a whole year later, but I was already dating my now wife. And when I opened my mission call and I said six months, my uncle Dave hugged my wife and said six months. (laughs) <laughs> he better be on that airplane. You know, Kara's like, yeah, okay. what are you talking about? And Zach went on his And I went on my mission. Six months. And, and I never came home. Hawaii. And what was that? Kara drove, drove to Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> hey, that's right. So you saw your buddies go to foreign missions. What were, what were your feelings when you opened up and read California? Um, just, just a state away. Were you, I don't know. I... <sighs> This is going to sound funny. I had really gotten into mobster movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm talking like this, like what? No, like, I know what we're like talking about. Like the Godfather. About. Yeah. Oh, okay. I remember coming downstairs and be like, whoa. <laughs> Taped off of TV. Okay. Yeah, to be clear. <laughs> I wasn't watching the uh, unedited. HBO or the yeah. <laughs> unrated. So, this is 2002, by the way. Exactly. So I really had like thought, wow, like Italy would be awesome. Italy, Europe would be cool. Italy, I, but I was, I was like dead set. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to Italy. I, I, I kind of look Italian cause I, you know, I have brown hair and brown eyes. So therefore I look Italian. <laughs> this is how my young Man. 18 year old yeah. brain is working. Dude, I would fit right in. <laughs> Pizza? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, no, I, I can't even remember. I wish I had my mission call with me. I have binders that have everything in it. I should have brought them just to jog my memory on stuff. But, um, now I can't remember your original question, but I'm still going to keep just talking. your thoughts on opening the mission call. So in Spanish speaking as well. So, yeah. So we had everybody over We're in the front room. I open it and, um, I see California San Jose mission and I thought, well, okay. Um, I guess this is where I'm supposed to go. Like it, it, it was kind of like whatever, you know, at that time had, Rob already left. Yeah. Okay. So I think, okay. <laughs> I was, again, I wish I had the pictures. Yeah. Um, but there was a time there when, I mean, it was like, it was a party. Everybody was there to congratulate me. Uh-huh. We had ward members, my old young men's presidents and bishops and stuff shaking my hands. Um, but there was a, I think it was like a quiet moment where you'd have to know my parents' house, but there's a front room And then there was a room that was designed to be an office, which was my bedroom. And it was kind of tucked around a corner. And I remember I kind of waited and the party had kind of gone to the kitchen and I snuck back there and I knelt down and said a prayer and said, you know, I'm a young, naive young man here about to do this. Is this really where I'm supposed to go? 
And I wouldn't say I had like this overwhelming spiritual impression, but I just remember I had a deep feeling of peace and it was like, that was the confirmation that I needed to know. Yeah. California, San Jose mission, Spanish speaking is going to be the best. Nice. So that was, that was that. The other thing was to kind of answer your question. <laughs> you're going to know this. Well, maybe you're not. I, I was thinking about your mission. I know like three things. So I'm excited to interview you. So <laughs> we never traveled like mom and dad are super cheap. Yep. I know that. Uh, our dad is self-employed and he's a mortgage guy. So he's always looking Hustling. at, he's always looking at people's finances. <laughs> yeah. And I know, well, this is how I am because I worked for him for like three or four years. When you're constantly analyzing the way other people spend money, you become very self-conscious and aware of how you spend money. And then our dad is super con conservative as is. Uh, so, so yeah, when I flew to the MTC, that was the first time I'd flown an airplane, a commercial airplane. In and, your life? Yeah. Wow. So like going to California, that may not have been across the world, but it was a foreign that's, country to me. Yeah. I mean, crazy. I think I'd been to the beach twice in California, maybe before then, like in San Diego or LA. So yeah, as far as you concerned, it was completely different than your little bubble. Yeah. I mean, once I got there, it was like, oh, this is just like home in a way. Yeah. But, but yeah. So speaking of getting to San Jose, usually we, we skip right to the mission, but you had some MTC experiences. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, there, there's a pillow room. Yes. Tell us about the pillow room. I don't know which building we were in anymore. I want to say room or building 33. Everybody was in the back corner. Uh, like, oh, my building was the farthest to walk from the lunchroom or whatever. Ours legit was. And <laughs> I was going to say, everyone says that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And uh, I wish I could pull up a map of the MTC because I could confirm it. But it's it's the back corner. Um, and so, and I'm sure all the buildings are probably the same. Well, they've updated it too and added new buildings and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, so on our floor there was half of the floor was occupied, you know, cause they're constantly rotating mm -hmm. groups of or districts and what are they called again? Districts. Districts, districts and zones. And, yeah. They're yeah. constantly rotating them through. So we had all these elders that were going to other California missions and in our zone or our district zone district anyways. And then, um, and there was this whole other group of English speaking elders that were only there for two weeks and man, they were crazy. And, uh, so the other half of the building was empty, but they leave it wide open. Like you can go to those rooms, you can go inside those rooms and stuff. Let's say they left it wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Past tense for all your kids Doors who were going were. to the, <laughs> the MTC. So, um, and the way the MTC apartment or dorm rooms were set up, it was like the middle was the showers and the bathrooms tree of life. Yeah. We got to talk about that. And, um, I don't know. Just a quick reference. <laughs> the, the, the tree of life showers are old high school type showers where there's no stalls. It's just, it's just a spigot, a spigot. uh, like eight heads of a shower, eight like shower heads on and just coming out, coming off of a pole. Yeah. I had stalls. You had stalls? In Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. I had stalls. So yeah, uh, that's what we had. We had two or three of those. You grew up real fast then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a room about as big as this. No, no. Like one, two, three. So maybe like a 20 by 
25. <laughs> I don't know. It was like a giant tiled shower room. Yeah. Anyways. Like high so that's another point. So the, uh, there was back to backs of those in this building. So mm-hmm. it's, is a, a big like locker room for be- lack of better words. But then the outside of the building was all the, the dorm rooms. So we found halfway down the building or on the inside of the, of the, I don't know, on the interior side of the hallway, there was these, this door and we're like, I wonder what's in there. And then it was locked. So no big deal. Does this sound okay? (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, these Canadian elders, I swear I love Canadians, (laughs) but they are all crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I love them. What did they pick the lock? You want to know how they picked the lock? They, they got a vacuum yeah, listen to this. Where do you get a vacuum? Well, because you do service, right? That's right. Kept, that's right. Okay. So you do service, you clean the buildings. So they had found the janitorial closet or whatever and found a vacuum and they went up and it was like a commercial building, like with roof tiles. Okay. So they went to the door, raised a tile out of the way because there's candy hidden all over the MTC. That's true. And anywhere there's a crack or crevice. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like... What do you mean? There's candy hidden. If, all over. if you open like the electrical outlets, outlets there's candy, there's, there's candy in there <laughs> for what? If you pull the hinge off a door behind it, there's going to be a void. You were in the MTC candy. longer than me. Man. I was you in the Brazilian MTC. Just, they don't do that. Do no. you remember Jordan's favorite movie? Uh, yeah. Fat he- heavyweights. Heavyweights. Yeah. And they it's hide all the candy. Dude. But why did they do it? Is it's it just, just like for fun because or they do it because they're hi- legit hiding their candy. No, it's for fun. It's oh, for okay. fun. And then your parents, <laughs> I was there for Christmas and mom sent me all this stuff. For, you can't it's like, I'm going to leave in two days, mom. But. Exactly. So you hide it. Yeah. So that is pass it on. That to, is cool. Yeah. So, okay. Anyways, we, going, we call and maybe sisters hide candy everywhere there. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Are you like, are you serious? If you took off that door, you said there'd be a void and there'd be candy in it. So we like in our bunk bed, there's like the, the covers over the, where like the bolts would go in <laughs> and somebody had like the little plastic. Yeah. Yeah. We pried one of those off. There was gum in it, like packs of gum. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that? So, no, I've never heard of this. Oh, Anyways, man. keep going. Go on another mission. These, they, they got, so they opened the roof tile. They opened the roof tile and I don't know why. Uh, although I have heard from there's in my ward now, there's five brothers, grown brothers have their own family they can't get away from home, I guess. But they apparently the first brother left like a note, almost like a geocache <laughs> and told his next brother and they've all gone and like signed it. it oh, that is all awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Posterity. I know. And there's probably like a 15 year spread between all these brothers at least. So anyways, um, so yeah, these Canadian elders, this tall redhead and a shorter redhead. I just Both figured, redheads. I, I was like, oh, all Canadians must be redheads. <laughs> no, but um, they lift they, the tile. They lift the tile, the vacuum, and there's a a crack, not a crack. Like there's like a a, a vent. So so it's a, bl- a block wall, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a a hole above the door where they would like put an AC vent into that room. Mm-hmm. But there's no AC vent. It's just a hole. Oh, it's just an opening. So they drop the cord of the vacuum on the inside Mm. of the door and they create, they drop a loop of the vacuum, right? And they get it to, to, to loop around the underside of, of the doorknob and they just start pulling up and down on either side of the cord. 
and it, the friction of that, like the plastic covering <laughs> of the cord, it like catches and it opens the it's door. It's like James, uh, James Bond stuff. <laughs> like you probably could just use like one of those credit cards and just. I, nah, I think there was like the door jam there to block it for that. Mm. But so the, anyways, they get in there, they open up this door. I'm not there when they do it the first time. <laughs> so excuse me I burped uh, they um, is that a little reminder to edit that out yeah. <laughs> so they uh, they open it flip on the light and it's literally four feet deep with pillows and it's like a 12 by 12 room just wall to wall pillows okay, four so- feet deep and so they're like, we got to go show everybody this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in my room studying the Joseph Smith story. Deep, profound experience. Yes. There. I read the whole Book of Mormon in the MTC, by the way. And that was probably one of the best experiences of my whole life. Wow. But anyways, um, and it was not the first time I read the Book of Mormon, by the way. So anyways, we're... They come and grab us and they grab our whole room. So there's four elders in my room and the other guys in our district, there's four more in the room next to us. So there's eight of us, right? And, uh, and then these two Canadian <laughs> elders. There's 10 of you in a 12 by 12 room. <laughs> yeah. Pillows. I mean, it sounds weird now. <laughs> <laughs> we opened the door, eh? Yeah. <laughs> hey man. Um, how about that? How about that? <laughs> so they open it, flip on the light, and they're like, check this out. And they just run and just dive <laughs> into those pillows. Of and course, it, right? It was like the ball pit at a McDonald's. Oh, like but with pillows. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my pillow story. Then we called it the boom boom room because they go in there and like box. <laughs> But not box. They would like pillow fight. fight. Pillow fight. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anything. A little, I don't want to say anything, but you know, you're all thinking it. Yeah. Canadians. Canadians. Yes. Hey. All right. <laughs> so, well, there's your PDA portion, your, Jordan. Yeah. There's the PDA portion of the podcast. So, uh, let, talk about your mission mission. I, I always start with like kind of like a mission stats. How big was your mission end to end? Like, and if you were in a car travel north to south or east to west or. I'm going to have to jump. Oh, there's no internet down here. No, we're in a dungeon. Oh my gosh. We record in a dungeon. I can't get it on my phone either. You don't know dad's Wi-Fi? I do. And I can't even get it to connect. <laughs> really? All right. What yeah. are we looking for? I got internet. But you like, you, you can't think off the top of your head. Like it was. Well, it was from Fremont was on the North side or the, was that North? Yeah. On the North side, all the way down to a town called King city. And that would be more or less like a three and a half, four hour drive, maybe a little bit more. And our mission went past King City, but it was just unpopulated. There's small little towns and we would only go there if it was like a media referral or something like that. The media referrals. That's right. Um, I have a pretty cool media referral story for later on whenever you're ready. (laughs) We will hold on to that one. And then I Googled it real quick and I didn't even know that San Jose is the third largest city in California is the third largest city in California. Is it still? It still is. Okay. Yeah. It goes LA, San Diego, San Jose. Did you know where San Jose was before you served? Never heard of it. Yeah. Me neither. (laughs) And it's huge. Yeah, it is huge. It's like in the top 10. Well, here's the deal. San Jose, San Francisco, Sacramento, Santa Rosa, 
they're really just one big giant city. It's yeah, not, that's what I was about to say. I'm looking at it right now on, on the maps and there's no stop or start. It's like, so we live in Phoenix metropolitan area. There's no difference between Phoenix, Mesa, Tempe, Chandler, Gilbert, Chandler. Chandler. Yeah. It's all one giant city. Scottsdale. Oh, I feel you. Okay. So yeah. that's how but they're all like the size of Phoenix though. Right. So like, San Jose, like San Jose is probably bigger than no, well, I'm just saying all of those kind of running together. Right. It's not like they get smaller as you. So yeah, they start to get a little more rural. Like how, you know, like here with Gilbert has more like bigger acres oh, okay, okay, and like more farmland as you get out to like Queen Creek and stuff like that. That there, that's how San Jose is as you get further away from the middle of San Jose. So San Jose is like Silicon Valley, the Bay area, you know, that's where Google and Facebook and all that stuff. When I was there, it was Adobe. Yeah. Oh really? I, we it was, got, was Palo Alto like in your mission? Palo Alto was in my mission. Um, Sa like San Mateo all the way up that no, side. Okay. Sa San Mateo was too far. I never actually served on that side. Uh, Sunnyvale was on my mission. Los Altos uh, was there. It's always funny to hear the English elders call it Los Altos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the, and then it went to the coast. So it went to the coast. Okay. So the other major cities that people recognize would be like Santa Cruz, uh -huh. Monterey, yep. Monterey Bay, yep. um, Big Sur. That's not really a city, but it's- That was in people. your mission? Yeah, I oh, went that's there. gorgeous. Um, you went there on your mission? Salinas. Salinas. I served in Salinas. Watsonville. That's where everybody's strawberries come from. Check the labels. <laughs> what was like the, is it a garlic place or- onion? Gilroy, garlic- Monterey. World. Yeah. Monterey, Seaside. Um, Sand City. It sounds like a really big mission. At least like population wise. How many elders were in your mission? I was thinking about that the other day because I was talking to the Mesa mission nurse last night at the hospital and she told me they had 180 elders in the Mesa oh mission. Oh my gosh. And I was like, that seems low. Is that, do you know how big? big? No, that's, that's like big. four square that's miles. Huge. Oh, that, that's whole, how big the mission is? The mission is like, it's probably maybe... 30 square miles. I thought they well, went it goes up to all like, no, they go up to AJ and I think they get, they some. go all the way to San, um, Carl. I mean, but that's like one, they one don't district. go up like to Eastern Arizona. Mm -mm. Hmm. Anyways. So yeah, San Jose is, is huge. Um, I think there was, when I was there, my mission president, uh, my first mission president was Kent Fitzgerald. He was the, he was a upper executive at Reader's Digest. Oh, good man. Um, I almost only, I, I had him for like one or two transfers and then he was out, but, um, he was like, he was really tall. I remember he was like six, three, six, four and I'm like six foot. So come on <laughs> five, eleven. Um, maybe with hair, you're so shut up. <laughs> Jason has a beautiful set of set. Set teeth. He's got. Yeah, I have a good. What? I have a good teeth story for this later on too. What are you doing? What? Where are you going with this? Okay. So, anyways, when I landed in San Jose from the MTC, we landed, which is this blows my mind, and we exited the plane on the tarmac like you would in the old fifties movies, and then we walked into the terminal, and so when we walked in the terminal, we're looking around this group of like ten elders and. And we're looking around and then you see president Fitzgerald at the other side of the terminal and he's standing it's out tall person. tall person. And it was like this way. It was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Was there any like specific feelings that you had towards him or maybe 
it seems like mission presidents kind of a theme about them that like they teach over and over. Did he have one that stuck out to you or honestly, I, I didn't have the opportunity to know him very well. He was full. I mean, he was very loving man and he was great. He was really direct. I remember he was all about, I think about his background and being in publication reader's digest is all about numbers. Right. So it was all about subscriptions and conversion rates and that sort of thing. So he sat us down and he was kind of like, look, this was his parting zone conference that I remember him saying this, saying something like there was around 2 million people in the mission and there's, I want to say we had 300 missionaries, but that, is that way too many? Uh, To me, that seems like a lot. Maybe it was 150. Maybe I don't know. I have your mission. I know I should know this. <laughs> Anyways, he was, bust, was he was busting it down into he broke it like down. long he's equations. Like, yeah, he was yeah. like, "There's this many of you. That means each of you." He goes, "It takes a, it, on average, you are able to get into every ten doors, and every of those ten doors, you're able to get follow up appointments with half of them." And of those, you get another follow-up appointment with maybe a 10th of those. And then a 10th of that pool goes on through the whole discussions. And then maybe like whatever percent gets baptized. And so he joins the church and he said, so there's this many of you. That means each of you have 2000 doors that you need to knock this year for us to be able to hit our goals. And it was like, that's just systematically how he broke things down. And so that was kind of eye-opening. So to answer your question, I think there was around 2 million people in my mission. Wow. <laughs> That's a long way to answer that question. <laughs> hey. But it's a so massive mission. And I always talk about the culture. It's, it seems like it was probably just a melting pot of different. It definitely was. So people, if you've ever been to San Francisco, San Jose is very similar. Um, Everybody's from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you've been there forever. They've been there for a long time. Most people are actually moving away because the economy was so good. So when I got to San Jose, the the dot com bubble mm-hmm. was like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, and so there was these big companies that had just laid off tons of people. There was huge buildings all over that were empty. Like the whole time I was on my mission. That's eerie. Yeah, but you had all these people that had moved in the area to work. Excuse me, and. Um, Zach, what'd you put in those cookies? Just keeps burping. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so yeah, so where was I going with that? Just that it's a melting pot. Yeah, so there people was leaving. Well, because the doc- culturally, you had people from all over Central America. You had people from all over Asia. So we had Chinese speaking in my mission. We had Vietnamese speaking. We had there was a sign. Sign language. Sign language because there was a college in Fremont, California for sign. So there's a, there's a big deaf community there. Um, we had Spanish, English, and there was a lot of people from Portugal. And so we had elders from Brazil. Really? But they tried to talk to him and it was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a different, different. language. Oh. But um, so there was that. And then um, there was even more. Uh, yeah, it was just a big melting pot. What was about like the people that you serve, what was your favorite thing about the people? The people of San Jose. Yes. I I tell this to a lot of people, a lot of my coworkers, none of my coworkers, coworkers are members of the church. And so, yeah, I I can say the church, right? 
I don't know. Can you? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, Jason's in the bishop. You're in the bishop break. break. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they'll ask me, what was the best thing you learned on your mission? And I'm like, how do you narrow that down? Yeah, totally. And, uh, but one thing I love telling people is that there is just a goodness in the world that, that many people never get the chance to see because we just don't expose ourselves to other people. So going door to door and exposing yourself and trying to connect with people, I found real quick that the people in San Jose, especially were so giving and inviting, um, and just humble. I mean, I was serving the Spanish speaking community. So I was kind of in areas that weren't as affluent because I can imagine it'd be very different for the other elders that are in Palo Alto trying to knock on doors. But, um, but yeah, the people were just awesome. Like I, I just remember people were so nice. Was, was there anyone that you maybe an investigator or or member that you connected with that you're still friends with to today or someone's story that you can tell us about? I have done not a great job of staying in good contact with people. Um, there was these two brothers, Manuel and Raphael. Raphael was the first person that I taught who got baptized and I was able to baptize him. I think he was the only person on my mission that I baptized physically. Um, they were just the best. Like I, I moved, let's see, that was my, uh, third area. So I'd probably been out maybe nine months or so, uh, in the mission field. And, um, yeah, they were just awesome. One of them was a cook at an Italian restaurant and the other was, a like, they both worked in the restaurant industry and one was at like Gordon Biersch. Like, so it's like a pub, oh, nice. <laughs> but they'd always feed us and they just loved. they were like our age. They were like these two brothers from Mexico city. And I still keep in contact with Manuel. Raphael now lives in Finland. No, I want to say he lives in Finland. Jeez. Yeah. He married a girl from anyways. He's not necessarily practicing member of the church anymore, but he's such a great guy. And so we're friends on Instagram and Facebook. And so we'll, we'll we'll keep in contact that way, but I'm really more friends with Manuel, his older brother. Mm -hmm. And I've been back to San Jose a few times and it's like, every time I see Manuel, it's like, it's like, just catch up immediately and yeah, it's, pick up where you left off. I mean, we have totally different views on life and views on politics and views on whatever, but I just love him and he loves me and I see him. I give him a big hug and it was like, it's like, it's disarming. Like he can have some beef with the church or it was something and he can just, he can just say it to me because he knows I love him. And he doesn't, I'm not going to judge him for it. Yeah. that's good. So I had to, unfollow him though on Facebook cause he's getting a little too intense with the, <laughs> <laughs> the political stuff. Yeah. The political stuff. Yeah. But he's such a good guy. It's kind of interesting how you find those people. And like you said, you know, whether they're members of the church or whether they're people you actually taught and baptized that it's, I think he impacted your life in such a way and you impacted his life in such a way that regardless of again, political or, you know, ideas about certain things. The one thing you have in common is that small space of time that you guys were in each other's life and how impactful that was three months for the remainder of your life and his life. Three months. It's been, I was there two transfers. So 15 years. Yeah. I got home in 2004. So going on 16 years. Wow. It's crazy. There was others as well, but Manuel is the one that definitely jumps out to me. Um, 
more my companions, obviously, because I spent so much time with them and even just roommates that I never necessarily served with as a companion, but what is like multiple sets of missionary two yeah. sets? Did you ever have more than two sets of missionaries? No, thank goodness. It would have been actually, I take that back. I had a time for four and a half months. There was six of us living in a one bedroom apartment. Been there. That's like Brazil with one bathroom too. One bathroom, but we were only there one day a week. So it wasn't like oh. we actually lived oh. together. What, uh, is there any trainers or, or trainees that you had that you're still close to today? Oh, absolutely. Um, my actual trainer, Elder McGuire, who's awesome. We don't keep in contact at all. I've, I've seen him once. <laughs> <laughs> who's awesome. We never talk, <laughs> but we just didn't really form that bond. Mm -hmm. Like he's a great guy. I'm like listening to myself. Like, is anybody going to hear this? <laughs> hey, you never know. They might, but I mean, I love him. He's great, but we, we just didn't like, I don't know. We haven't st stayed in contact, but my second companion after that, Elder Costa. Oh yeah. I mean, my son's middle name is Costa. Oh, so that's that, right. That Jason's white and his wife's white. So that middle name is, there's some love there. Definitely. And he, <laughs> Elder Costa went on his mission a little bit later. I want to say he was maybe 21 when he left, um, 22 maybe. So, um, so he was a little more mature. Uh, I think he'd already finished like his undergraduate degree wow. in engineering. <laughs> um, he was a cheerleader at University of Florida. Uh, yell leader. The Gators. I think that's what they're called. Yell leaders. Really? Male cheerleaders. And uh, we, I give him a hard time about that, but I'll tell you what, he was so buff. He beat the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what, what made you love him so much? He was like the a big brother. How, how, how long had he had been on his mission? So when I got out, he had been, he had just hit his halfway mark. Well, okay. when we became companions, he just hit his halfway mark. So the cool thing about him was he was from Miami. His mom was Cuban and his dad was Brazilian. And so in their home, they only spoke Portuguese and in the street, they spoke Spanish because it's Miami. And so he didn't learn English until he went to kindergarten. So he was trilingual. And so that was super impressive to me because I was struggling at the time to learn the language. And it, for him, it just looks so easy and natural. And what I loved about him was he didn't try to fake an accent because a lot of times he's, as a missionary, you're trying to emulate what you're hearing, right? And so my mission, it was probably 70% Mexican, 20% El Salvadoranian. And then you had pockets of people from Guatemala and then Honduras and and then South, South American speakers, but not, not too many. But, um, for him, it just sounded like I was just talking and it, there was no accent. It was, he just talked. And I love that about it. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't have to like try to like roll my R's extra hard or like, yeah. it, it, it was just, and then he had such a charismatic presence. Like he could talk to anybody. It, it, I'm surprised he's not in sales. Cause maybe he is. Um, he just has a presence about him. Like he walks into a room and he instantly is able to like evaluate people. And he, he's so disarming and nice, but yet knowledgeable. And like I said, he was a big buff guy. So it wasn't like he was a wilting flower or anything. Uh, but yeah, he was, he was great. Just loved him. Um, it's funny. My, my first companion we're still friends to this day. And he's my trainer. Like I just texted him today and I'm going to ask you, did he help you find a love for your mission? 
Oh, absolutely. I think um, my, my trainer was awesome. Elder McGuire was awesome and taught me hard work. He, he hustled like, so that was good. He laid down that foundation for me real quick. Um, Elder Costa taught me Costa Costa. Um, that's all the white elders. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, he taught me like almost like a higher, like another aspect of missionary work. He was, he had been a zone leader for like six months already. And so they demoted him and made him be my companion, (laughs) but they kept him in the same area. That's an air quotes, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It's all serving the Lord. That's right. Um, so, but it was really cool because he had just gone from being in that leadership role and then it almost like freed him up and he was excited to work. And he already knew the ward because he'd already been there. He had been there with his previous companion for six months. Okay. So my mission, if you were together for six months, That's we, a long time. We, told, we call that an eternal companionship. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty much married. Yeah. And so his, his previous companion, they also kept in the area or in the same branch. So they still saw each other all the time. We'd see each other at dinner. Uh-huh. And so there's this weird dynamic with him and the sailor guy, Elder Lambert, who's also just hilarious and awesome. But they had this love hate relationship because they'd been together for yeah. so long. They <laughs> started to get like an old couple. <laughs> like a yeah, couple. yeah, it was so fun. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Elder Costa, he was honestly like, he was the shield that I needed um, as I was able to stretch my legs and grow as a missionary. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. We got this referral to this guy who was a youth pastor for another church and he, I didn't know walking in Elder Costa there. Not even. Yeah. He wanted to bash. Yeah. And so we're Spanish speaking missionaries, right? We go to the door. Costa speaks to him perfect Spanish. He's like, oh, come on in. Possibly. Here we go. Here I am. Broken Spanish. Trying to do the first vision. And he looks at me and goes, why in English? He says, why are you even trying? Why are you even trying to speak Spanish? This is ridiculous. And I just remember being so like, Oh, like pained. Yeah. And Costa stops the meeting and he looks at him. He goes, you don't understand what this is like. And I can't remember the words exactly, but he basically stood up for me in an unkind way, put the guy in his place, but just showed so much love for me. And so it was like those kind of experiences that I had with him were like, he was always trying to lift me up, even though he was clearly the more experienced and more polished missionary and an amazing teacher. It didn't matter. He, he knew that part of his mission was to get me to where I needed to be. And that's what was really cool about being his companion. That's exactly what I'm getting at. My, my trainer is what made the rest of my mission possible. Yeah. Like had I had, my second companion and granted, I still love my second companion, but had I had him as a trainer, I would have been like, yo, I give up. And again, coming from a part member family to me, there was absolutely no shame or no culture of going home. My dad's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like the day I left on the the airplane, but had I had him second, my mission would have been completely different. Mm -hmm. But my trainer, I remember the first thing he said is we work hard, but we have fun because of, we have, we have an understanding of what we are doing. The gospel, I think even members of the church, the gospel can be fun. You know, it's not, should be. Yeah. Should be. You know, it, if you're not having fun living the gospel, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Don't get it, wrong. It's hard, but because there's hope, you shouldn't ever get down in despair. Totally. 
Totally. So that's, that's exactly what I'm getting at is it's so awesome on, on missions, you know, especially at such a young age, you, you went out at 19, 19 right? Yeah. I went out at 19 that you have those life experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. And then again, that you're just like, it sticks with you for the rest of your life. There's those people, those moments, those, I mean, you still remember other Costa defending you yeah, in such a kind and loving way. And I'm sure, you know, you've thought on that and on different scenarios throughout your life since. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my mission. And, and I'd say it, even that time period when I was serving in Salinas, California with him, like it was, there was just so much growing that I did. And we were only together, I want to say for one transfer. Yeah, it was only one transfer. Yeah, so really, same, same, one thing, transfer. same thing. Who's your favorite companion? One transfer. I wouldn't say he was my favorite, but it's Definitely hard. It's like picking your favorite, favorite child. Kid, yeah. You know, I had a, a companion that was very wise and he would say, Lord's no respecter of persons and neither am I with my companions. I am. I, I like some of my companions more than others. Maybe you say that about oh, me. Oh, I definitely loved some of them more than others. But, but the impact that he had in one transfer. Yeah. And Even the it, ones I did get along with, I still love them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to like, and I think that was such a big testimony builder for me. Obviously you're there for uh, a mission. You're on a mission for a reason, right? You spread the gospel, but it was such a testimony to me of the different companions that I was with when I was with them and the lessons I learned with them. Right. It's like the Lord cares just about as much as me as he does the people I'm teaching. So, um, you mentioned the language and how you were struggling with that. Was that, how long did it take you to learn the language? And was that like a major trial or is there something tougher that you experienced? Um, no, I would say it was a major trial, honestly, but you know, my personality, I, I would say I wasn't pushing myself as much as I needed to, to learn it. I mean, I was trying, don't get me wrong. And I was doing everything I could have done, but it wasn't until I was the senior companion that it was like, oh man, I don't know the language very well. And I'm just doing whatever I can to make sense of this. And I think I started training. I didn't train. I was a senior companion. Let's see. I think I had two transfers with my first companion, one with Elder Costa, one with Elder Favre, my second or third companion after that. And then I, did I train right then or no? Yeah. And that's what it was before you hit a year. You were training. So six months I was a senior companion and then it was like, okay. All's in your court. Like you gotta, yeah. They're your numbers now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hardest thing for me was getting my ear to hear every word. Cause I would hear like, they'd speak so fast and I'd hear like a word here and a word there. And once I was able to hear every word, then I was able to make sense of it and, uh, and learn the language. So this might be piggybacking or it might be going different direction, but what, what was your biggest worry going into your mission? My biggest worry? I have no idea anymore. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Or uh, what were you, I mean, what were you intimidated by? Or, or uh, again, that you might I, not even remember that. I remember, okay, this may be too personal. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember feeling worthy to go on a mission, right? But then I was in the MTC for eight weeks or nine weeks. And then uh, thoughts and ideas and memories of things I've done 
and did I repent? Did I not repent? Am I clean? Am I worthy? I think that was the stuff that got in my head that made me question things. Uh, as far as, so my biggest worry, I, I wouldn't say it came before my mission. I'd say it came in the MTC. Mm-hmm. Once I was kind of released from that cage of the MTC and I got back to normal life instead of life stuck in a room all day studying and stuff. Cement block. And- yeah. Yeah. Um, it kind of released the, my brain from all that anxiety that I was building up. And, uh, it was like all that kind of went away cause I got to work, like honestly getting to work and just getting into the mission. It was like, Oh, I am, I can do this and I'm, I'm here and I can feel the spirit and I know I'm worthy and able to be serving a mission. So it, it, I wouldn't say it quickly went away, but it definitely went away as I got to work. And I'm glad you bring that up because we've all, all three of us have certain missions. So it's easy to forget the things that we worried about. But I totally remember the same feelings. And I believe it was Elder Bednar that spoke about that. And he said, if you can feel the spirit, then you're okay. Yeah. And you need to to move on. And that's Satan trying to drag you down. And, yeah. And Nephi had the same thing. And was it second Nephi four, his Psalm when he's like, oh, yeah. wretched man that I am. And that's a normal thing to feel bad about your sins. That's a, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't do them again, but. Yeah, I always, I always had a zone leader that said, I am so grateful that my heavenly father forgets my sins, yeah. but I am plagued with, I can't remember the English word, but with the knowledge of what I've done, but it motivates me to continue forward. Yeah. I think that same thought still plagues people after the mission. Oh yeah. Dude. And like grown adults, it's like, well, hundred percent, we forget where our faith is and we don't actively use it. It becomes passive and it's like, oh, that stuff creeps back in and we're like, did we actually repent? Yeah. Is this stuff real? Yeah. You know? Um, I know I'm going to kind of jump a little forward in your mission. I know you served Mm. in more leadership positions and you got to be very close with your mission president. Yeah. Your second second mission. Who who was your, can you tell us about your second mission president? My second mission president was a man, uh, named, uh, E Reed Haywood, Elijah Reed Haywood. He went by Reed. Um, he was a, he was an OBGYN and a professor at Western Virginia University, I want to say. Wow. Um, he was amazing man. Just complete Renaissance man. Could do everything amazing. Uh, but it was funny because he, he didn't look like he was very athletic. Because <laughs> um, he wasn't very tall and he wasn't very like stout. But he said he got scouted to be in the minors by the Yankees. I was like, holy cow. Wow. So he must have been doing something right. So, but uh, he guy could play the saxophone could play the, the piano. I, mom made me be able to play 50 hymns, uh-huh. accompany 50 hymns to get my driver's license. Thank goodness. Oh my she goodness. did not continue that. <laughs> so the minute I quit or minute I got my driver's license, you can see you later. Yeah. Done with the piano. <laughs> well, then I get on my mission and like, I'm trying to play and it's just not there. Like it used to be. And I remember being at a zone conference and I'm, was that the zone leader or not? I don't remember. And nobody else could play. So I jump on, I'm trying to play the spirit of God and I'm like doing my, I thought a pretty good job, but then it got to like this one part in the chorus and I'm like, like, whoops, he, he gets up there. Elder, let me take this from you. <laughs> Bangs it out like beautiful playing the piano. So he's super smart. Obviously he was a doctor. Um, very close to the spirit. Just, he looked mean 
but man, he was like a teddy bear and he would just melt and love you and cry. And like, I don't know. You just sounds like more of like a friend than like a, a, I don't know. Not that mission presidents can't be friends or leaders, but sometimes they're intimidating. Sometimes they're scary. And he always told us they're more of a, a quote unquote business role. It's strictly business. Yeah. You know, he was well, more of a, well, a friendly guy. He was friendly, but he did tell us, he's like, I have a motto. It's friendly with all intimate with none. He's like, I don't want anybody to think I have favorites. He's like, I, I, I have to treat you all equally. He's like, my greatest goal is that all of you become bishops and all of you become mission presidents. Like that's, that tells me if I was successful. And it was like, he's like, what you do on your mission now is, is good, but I, I, I care about the rest of your life. And so that was really cool. Like he was just a great guy. He, he passed away two or three years ago. Oh, bummer. From uh, ALS. So. President Haywood. President Haywood. His wife was amazing too, Sister Haywood. She also could play amazing. They're just super talented. She ended up, so Stanford is not far from our mission. It was just outside. She ended up having ovarian cancer while serving. They found out that she had it. And usually that's like the silent killer because they don't catch it. Mm-hmm. And because of where we were serving, she was able to get like the best treatment in the world. And I think I want to say she lived for another, I mean, she went through all the treatment. They didn't get released. So this was after I, she found out and then I went home. They stayed out another year and a half or so. And um, yeah, I I mean, she probably lived another 10 years after that. Wow. So he always said, we were sent here to serve you, but we were also serve, sent here to preserve her life. Like, this is pretty cool. Wow. Oh, yeah. I guess when you look at the big picture, yeah, you know, it wouldn't have gotten the same treatment yeah. in Vir- Virginia, right? Yeah. Or I don't know. On the East Coast. So, again, it's interesting how the Lord works yeah. <laughs> in all these different ways. He's a very good chess player. I'm messing with you, Jordan, because I keep going off these random tangents and I'm not following any kind of <laughs> no, it's, you your, it's your Jordan's <laughs> freaking out over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any <clears throat> miracles that, like just defining miracles that you will always hold on to Absolutely. that have, have shaped your testimony that you could share with us? Uh, one was in my first area. You've probably heard me tell this before. Um, we were waiting for an appointment. No, we were waiting to get picked up. Uh, the ward mission leader in the Alum Rock ward in East San Jose. Uh, shout out to my Alum Rock folks. Man, you remember that, but nothing else about your mission. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And um, this guy from Puerto Rico, he was going to pick us up. And he was a little bit late. And I think we might have been a little bit, We our bikes, something happened to our bikes. So, Flat tire or something. Uh, there was a time when somebody came by and put took bolt cutters to our chains mm. and then to the frame of the bike when they realized they couldn't <laughs> steal it. So they just bent it. I mean, my bike was still perfectly fine. It just had this dent in it where some idiot tried to steal it. But anyways, um, so we were walking across this, this major road. So San Jose has expressways and freeways and expressway is almost like it's like a normal road, but it has lights every three miles instead of every mile. So you're able to like get anyway. So it was one of these big roads and I can't remember if it was on an expressway or just this giant road, but we were crossing this big street in this crosswalk 
It was probably like a seven lane road, but it was really wide. There's not many wide roads in San Jose. And um, there's all these street vendors there, right? So imagine like you're down in Mexico and there's a little boy walking up to you with a tray with all these trinkets on it. So I, my first area, I hardly speak Spanish, right? We're crossing this major road. There's this boy crossing the road the other way. And he looks like he's my age. And he just looks at us and he goes, elders. And he starts crying. And um, I couldn't speak to him really. But what I understood was he had just gotten there and he was all alone. Gotten to San Jose? <laughs> San Jose. Because they, they migrate there. You know? Oh, okay. So he wasn't, okay. So he was, he was from Mexico somewhere. Away from his family, trying to make ends meet. And they sent him to California because it's one, it's like sanctuary. Like they don't, there's the immigration laws aren't as whatever, but they get paid a lot more too. Like there's high paying jobs, even though the cost of living is crazy. So he was there probably with a group of other guys and they would, they get their trinkets and they get dropped off in areas and they would walk around all day and try to sell this stuff and they get picked up at the end of the day. And so he was probably walking back to a, some pickup point. So he looks at us and he just breaks down and it was like he was away from home for the first time and he was lost and he was scared and he was everything that I was feeling. And, um, my companion's like, well, what can we do for you? And he's like, can you give me a blessing? <laughs> right on this major road. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do? So, um, so we look around and it's a major road, but yet there's residential houses facing the road. And so we, one of the houses nearby has a big overgrown tree, right? Uh -huh. And so we kind of get on this, on this other side of the tree and there's a patio. So we're in somebody's front yard. This guy's sitting on their patio and we gave him a blessing. And that to this day will be one of the most sacred experiences of my life. And I can't even describe why. Other than I was going through the exact same thing that, that this young man was going through and I needed that blessing for me just as much as he did. So there was that. The funny thing was after the blessing, the owner sticks their head out the, the door. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he waited until he said, hey, hey, man, man. Right? yeah, <laughs> he knew what was going they on. They could tell something special was yeah. going on. Another time, also the beginning of my mission, probably because that's when I was the most afraid is that I'm having these experiences. Uh, we went to a zone conference, not a zone conference, a state conference. And one of the guys in the ward was this guy. Uh, he later became a, a state president, C member, president Hawes or brother Hawes. Awesome guy. He loved the missionaries, had us over all the time. He had like 15 kids and still made time for the missionaries. And he was so busy. He was anyways, he loved us and he made you feel extremely loved. So He's like, elders, I need you to come sit by me. I'm going to translate the meeting for the Spanish speaking members for their headsets. And I need you guys to be ready with your scriptures in Spanish so that when they call out a scripture, I can just read it. And so, um, so we do that for him the whole meeting. And at the end of the meeting, he stands up and he goes, how are you doing elder carpenter? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm okay. And he goes, how are you doing? And he just looked like into my soul. And he was like, I'm so proud of you. He's like, you're doing amazing. And it's just like, he just connected with me. And then he goes, I know your mom and dad are super proud of you too. Like your, your mom and dad love you. And it just melted me. 
it was like exactly what I needed here. It's not a little bit of support then. So as far as like miracles or whatever, is that what your question was? I don't <laughs> yeah. remember. That, that was beautiful. They come in all shapes and sizes. I definitely have other experiences, <laughs> but those are the two that come to mind real quick. Hey, uh, and it's, it's eerie, those experiences that you have had, and maybe you've had the same thing where like you're serving someone and blessing them with something and it's exactly what you needed to hear. Yeah. And you realize in your mission and in life that as you reach out to serve others, that's where you get fulfillment for yourself, not thinking about yourself, but it's comes secondhand. Yeah. Side effect. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. There's missions impact us in, in so many ways. And I love that you said that you think about it every day. My MTC president said, you have two years to live it and the rest of your life to think about it. <laughs> it's like the truest statement. Um, you know, it's interesting now. I'm in the bishopric. I've been in the bishopric for since August. So what is that? Like six months almost. Uh huh. And it's like serving a mission and the Bishop and the first council are my companions. And it's the funnest thing. It's scary. It's frustrating, but it's still awesome. And it's, that's the, that's the way it should be, man. Yeah. If anybody asks you like, what's it like to be in the Bishopric? Well, one, just like being on a mission at first, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Two, I'm just doing what I feel is right. I'm acting on faith and I'm following direction from the bishop who I believe is blessed with revelation for a ward and the people he has stewardship over. And then I'm able to counsel and say things that I think he, I, I think logically and I try to break down problems and fix them. Right. And sometimes I give that advice and then he absorbs it and then looks at me and says the answer and it's nothing of what I said, but it's still like I'm fulfilling my role in this equation by being that sounding board. Sometimes we just go to meetings and just let him talk. And I just let it, I just absorb what he says. And, and it's awesome. And it's, it's just like being on a mission. Like, I don't know what to say. So anyways, that's a little <laughs> sidebar. No, that's awesome. I, that made the podcast. <laughs> um, my last question, Zach, do you got any questions you gotta, uh, which I got two to kind of wrap it up. How was your mission different than what you expected? That's a hard one. It's a really wide broad. Yeah. I feel like we only touched on the beginning of my mission here. That's kind of funny. Um, I remember when I first got out, I was trying to fit the mold of a missionary. I wanted to be what I thought a missionary was supposed to be. And part of the reason I really like Elder Costa, like he taught me things uh, about how to be myself and be a missionary. And that's when I think my wings expanded and I was able to really take off. Like, because I, I wasn't as genuine as I wanted to be when I taught people because I didn't know how to be, I didn't know how to be both a missionary and Jason. And once I was able to be myself, um, then, then it was so much fun. Like the work was fun and every day was a challenge, but it was a good challenge. And you went to sleep satisfied. I had always had trouble sleeping. Like, I don't know if I have some form of anxiety or not, but I I'll sit there and think about things for a long time. I drive my wife nuts because I can never make decisions because I'm thinking about it and don't want to make the wrong decision, you know? But, um, I think once I learned how to work and work hard, 
never had problems sleeping because I was so exhausted at the end of every day. But it's the best sleep because you just go to bed so satisfied and happy with the work you put in that day. And so like I've been in young men's a lot of like the past eight years. And that's the advice I always tell the young men like, hey, learn how to be you and be a missionary and how to tell people like share yourself with them. And then work so hard that you can't help but be satisfied by the end of each day. Like that's the, one of the greatest things I learned was the satisfaction and joy that comes from serving. So. You, you answered the next question of what would you tell someone to go on a mission? <laughs> that's beautiful. I don't, Zach, do you got anything Well, else? I think just kind of piggyback off the same type of question. Jason, you have a handful of, of sons, mm-hmm. young boys. And obviously we've heard how much your mission has impacted you. If there was anything you can leave them or, or do you talk to them and kind of set them up for success in regards to sharing your mission, (laughs) you know, like, and that's, as I think I'm asking you as you know, you're older and wiser than I am. I think about it all the time is how, how can I, obviously this podcast is one way, but how, how can I share my experiences to let people know it's so worth it. You know, yeah. I have so many young men that are like, Hey, do you want to serve a mission? Oh, I don't know. It's like, dude, I just want you to shake you. Missing. You don't know what you're, you doing. know? So if there was one golden nugget, and again, I told you before we started, there's a young man in a ward, not too far from here that opened his mission call two weeks ago and he's going to San Jose. Yeah. If there was one thing, when you shake his hand before, right before he leaves that you would tell him, what would that be? Be prepared for the best two years of your life. Like to that point, life, it gets hard after that. It's hard then. Everything's hard when you're in the minute, the moment of it. But, but on the mission, it's the one time that you get to focus on serving the Lord a hundred percent of the time without distractions of school and work and children and a spouse and a household and taking care of all these little things. It's the one time where everything else is taken care of and you get to focus on that. And it, it really is a, it's a gift to be able to do that. And it's hard to understand it when you're in it, especially at the beginning. Cause you don't, you're, you don't, you're not really hitting your stride yet. You're, you're so, you're struggling with learning how to teach. You got the training wheels on. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. You just, it's hard to get going, but once you get going and then you like, you're in that zone, you're like, this is awesome. And missionaries are nerds, like 100% nerds. You have to be, (laughs) but, but you love it. You love being a nerd Yeah. and your humor changes. Everything about you changes. And it's because you're so invested in what you're doing and and nothing else matters. And so, yeah, that's lose yourself invest, you know, get, get through that hard part. To, like I said, take the, take the training wheels off because then you start coasting and then honestly be prepared for the best two years. Yeah. So. Just learn to love it because yeah. it's the the one chance. I mean, that most of us will have to be able to do that like that to work in that way. So. <laughs> no, that was good. And I think I, I always try to wrap it up with that because again, I'm in young men's mm-hmm. and I have a handful of young men. And again, they're all 
they come in all sorts of different shapes and oh, sizes. Yeah. Everybody's and all, different. Their home life is totally different. But um, in the community that I live in, we're all fairly close. And it's the same thing. I, I just, sometimes I want to just, and I don't know how to say it. I just like, I want to, they've heard my testimony a thousand times, but I just want to be like, you have no idea, one, how awesome it is. And two, how much you, you need this for the rest of your life. Yeah. And the only way you find out is by doing it. Yeah. I think I've, I've failed to mention this, but I think the other thing that you learn real quick is how to love people for who they are. Their imperfections that are what make them amazing. And nobody's perfect. And you learn that real quick. And so including yourself. Yeah. I learned yeah, that real once, quick. <laughs> once you learn to forgive yourself and, and be you, then you share that with other people. I think that's why people are drawn to missionaries because they love the way they feel when they're around them. Um, but yeah, I, I, you learn how to love people and that's something that I still, like I learned how to be happy on my mission and I, I always thought I was happy. I think I'm a happy person for the most part. You're, you're a pretty happy person. And uh, I think I learned that on my mission and I think it comes from that, that working hard and that learning to love people. It just makes me happy. Like I love finding out people's stories and what makes them tick and why they are the way they are. And it's so easy to judge people, but once you kind of peel back the layers and understand what they're going through, it's like, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you want to go for note. another three hours? Well, no. on that note, I guess we'll, uh, we'll hop off, but I got a, an awesome random fact as I play the song. San uh, Smash Mouth says they're from San Jose. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> little random fact. Thanks everybody for joining. Um, and again, look forward to the next episode. Yep.